0: Good morning, Promise of Victory. Are you ready to connect the dots? Amen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are blessed to have you here this morning. We are thankful that the Lord has given us another beautiful day and another opportunity to worship together. Uh, before I get started, two things I want you to help me pray about. One is we actually have people here, uh, not here, not in the room. We have people that are affiliated or members of our church family that are right now presently in the hospital with COVID. Uh, due to restrictions, I don't know who wants information out and who doesn't, so I'm not going to tell you the names of them, but I want you to pray for them. I want you to lift them up. Um, I'm not going to get too deep into the weeds here before I preach this morning, but one of the most devastating things about this entire season has been the way that the enemy has used it to divide God's people. And the Bible is very clear about how we are to come together in unity and in purpose and to constantly be moving in the same direction. I think that's probably why uh, the church is supposed to be more concerned with things of the spirit than they are the things of Washington or uh, whether some kind of, yeah, uh, some kind of uh, medicinal thing is working or not, we're supposed to be looking upward and, and concentrating on his will and not our will or the will of somebody else and and the enemy has really used this season why because he knows that when we're divided we're not as powerful he understands that the more he keeps us separated whether it whether it be through medicinal things whoa we're humming uh, whether it's uh, through medicinal things or uh, political things or avenues of racism anything that divides us keeps us from our power Uh, you may just want to kill the monitors i don't know we're we're buzzing pretty bad when i get up close so um, anything that keeps us from coming together and asking God in unity for purpose is devastating to the purpose that He's called us for. Amen. So keep these people in your prayer. Uh, they're actually whether you believe in it or not, whether you believe uh, in in situations and how Washington has handled it, that's irrelevant. We got sick people that are uh, fighting for their lives and uh, uh, they need prayer, and we need we need to be the ones to lift them up. Somebody say Amen. The other thing is that I'm going to ask if you would uh, lift me up. The next two nights, I'll be uh, at the uh, Lifeline Hinton campus, uh, which is five hours south of here. I'll be preaching two nights of a four-night revival. So uh, I'm going to ask you to be praying for me over the next two nights. I'm, I'm praying for souls to be saved. I'm, I'm praying for refreshing. Uh, amen. Um in in the middle of all the turmoil going on, I'm I'm praying that God's going to move in a mighty way and and use me. It's always an honor for me to be asked to come and preach for uh, someone else and to grace their pulpit. So I'm going to ask that you would uh, be lifting me up the next two nights. Amen. So today is week four of our series of messages that we are attempting to explore the entire story of the Bible in a short period of time. Uh, obviously, we are not catching all of the nuances. Uh, all of the stories, all of the ins and outs and types and shadows, we're not doing all of that because uh, Pastor Scotty will be here next week for, pastor, or for our, our, our anniversary celebration uh, uh, Beyond that, we've had, this is week four, and we'll have four more after next week So we're going to cover the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation, uh, in, eight, in eight weeks So we're not telling all the stories What we are attempting to do is draw a line from one story to the next story that when we are finished, I hope that you are able to relate the entire story of the Bible to somebody if they've never read the Bible. You you can't get into all of the deep details and get into the weeds if you're just trying to describe to somebody what the Bible actually says. I'm trying to give you enough information in eight weeks to where you can tell them this is God's love letter to you. This is how he intended for us to receive his word. And this led to this, that led to this, that led to this. And this is what we're looking forward to. And that's all I'm trying to do. So we're going to give you the highlights. So far, week one, we learned about creation. God had a plan. Man messed that plan up. Some of you ladies should have said amen right there. Man's good at messing up plans. Amen. And the second week, Pastor Ryan taught us about God's promise. He come along and made a promise to a man named Abraham that he was going to correct the the dysfunction that was created by Adam and Eve so we had a problem then we have a promise last week I taught you about deliverance so God already started on his plan to get us out of bondage that was last week we were in Exodus now this week we're going to be looking at the books of Deuteronomy Joshua and then all the way through Judges And we're going to be in this story this morning talking about how Israel has spent 40 years in the wilderness Learning what God expects from them And once they make it to the promised land, something happens that I want to warn you about So everyone in this story that we're going to be reading about this morning is not last week's crowd Because everybody in last week's crowd that came out of Egypt is dead except for two people a man named Joshua and a man named Caleb everyone else has already died and so uh, as we come out of the uh, the exodus season we're going to be coming into the land of promise and that's what we're going to talk about this morning and we're going to try to cover an enormous amount of of time in this one series and actually uh, in this one sermon And that's why this week's message is important enough to be included in these eight sermons because we get to see something that I want to warn you about. And that is this. What happens to us when we finally get what we've been praying for? What happens when we finally get what we have been believing for and asking God to do in our lives, what we've been fighting for? What happens? Because I've been doing this for a minute. I'm not a novice. I've been preaching for a long time. I've been in the way, as they put it, uh, for a long time. I've seen a lot of saints come and go. I've seen a lot of believers rise and fall. And one thing has always been common. When we finally get to the promise, there's always a temptation to forget the one that got us there. I'm going to show you biblically this morning how God was warning his people even before they came out of bondage and got into the promised land that that is a possibility but before we go there let's let's look at one scripture in Romans chapter 15 Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 says such things were written in scriptures long ago to teach us Mm -hmm. so the Old Testament was given to you so you would learn something it's not just given to you as a history lesson it's so that you will learn something and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled so the stories of the Old Testament that's what this passage was talking about the stories of the Old Testament was given to us so we would learn something and this season of Israel's history we're going to find them in transition Can I tell you this morning that transition is uncomfortable? We're in transition right now. When I got up at 5.30 this morning, it was 48 degrees. Before you leave this building, it's going to be 71 degrees. So do you wear a wool sweater or do you wear a tank top? You don't know because transition is uncomfortable. You're not quite sure how to prepare for it because where you're at right now, you know probably is not where you're going to end up. That's what transition is. Transition makes you uncomfortable because you're never quite settled. You're never quite satisfied. Because you don't know what the end of the thing is going to look like. Soon, uh, before you know it, you're going to be coming to church on Sunday morning and the leaves are going to start falling. I only had one person say yeah. Can, Can I just stop right here and tell you that those of us that love this time of the year are about to be in our glory? Listen... Uh Uh-uh, I don't, everybody's like, winter's coming. Listen, some of you sun worshipers, you've had the last five months. I have sweated in places I didn't know I had sweat glands. So could you please just let us, that love, the cooler weather, enjoy the 15 minutes of fall that we actually get. You know, spring, that's a fun day. Fall is about 15 minutes. We get seven months of winter and about five months of sweat. Just walk outside and in instant sweat. So can we just at least... Hey, hey, some of y'all are like, well, I don't like winter time coming. I've, listen, listen, the difference between winter, winter and summer is every one of them I have to adjust for the transition. I can always put more clothes on. But in summertime, I can legally only take so many off. So that's the... <laughs> that's where we're at so transition has a potential transition has a potential a potential to either set you up or set you back this is what we're going to look at this morning because it depends on how you handle transition there are two primary ways that you're going to learn any lesson in life one is by the mistakes you make the other is by the mistakes somebody else makes And what you learn during that period of time is this. Too many people don't want God after they get what they really want. I'm going to say that again. Too many people come into the kingdom because they want God to give them what they really want. And once they receive what they really want, they no longer have a need for God so there are folks lining pews and chairs in churches all across this great land of ours today that are chasing God but really they're not chasing God to catch God they're chasing God to catch a blessing because they know that connected to God is exceedingly abundantly above more than they can ask or think and once they receive that blessing then they back away because when you finally catch up with God you know what you find he ain't all about blessing he's also about commitment He's also about sacrifice. He's also about doing right. He's also about raising up above your problems. He's also about leaving fear and walking in faith. He's also about believing exceedingly abundantly. He's also about having you come down to his level and say, whatever you want from me, God, here I am, use me. A lot of people want God until they catch him. It's kind of like the dog I used to have. It used to chase cars. What are you going to do with it once you catch it? That's the same way we are with the Lord sometimes. We chase God, but what are you chasing God for? This is what we're going to determine here this morning. Because as we connect the dots, here we've had... I really hate this sometimes. There's two primary ways that we're going to look at this. One is from where you have not been, and the other is from where you're heading to. Okay? So, there's going to come a time in your life... Where you are finally going to eat the good of the land. I, I thought I might get a witness in this Pentecostal church. There's going to come a time in your life where you're finally going to have all the stuff you've been asking for. Maybe it's in a relationship. You've been you've been uh, single for so long, you've been asking God for a, a right relationship. Maybe it's in your career. You've been laboring for a long time, you've watched other people get promotions, and, and, and now uh, it's your season. Or, or, or maybe it's uh, you're going to get your bills paid off. I thought I might get a shout right there. <laughs> uh, you, you've been uh, faithful to God, you've always paid your tithes, you've always done the right thing, and, and, and now your financial season is about to be upon you. But, but, but can I warn you that when you finally get there and something happens and you probably won't even realize it when it happens, but it'll be this. You will stop being as desperate for God as you were when you needed something from Him. When you finally come into your season, you have been fighting, you have been struggling, you have been praying, you have been worshiping, you have been finding scripture, you have been getting hands laid on you, you've got enough oil put on your head in the altar to fry chicken, and you want God to do something powerful in your life. But can I warn you this morning that you need to prioritize God not just in the lean times but in the full times as well. I'm gonna show you something in Deuteronomy chapter 8 beginning with verse 7 for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out of the valleys and hills it is a land of wheat and barley of grapevines fig trees pomegranates of olive oil and honey it is a land where Food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is as common as stone and copper as, as, is as abundant in the hills. When you have eaten your fill, verse 10, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. And then he says in verse 11, but that is the time to be careful. See, it's easy to come back and praise. Well, it should be easy to come back and praise, even though we know that nine of the ten lepers didn't even see fit to do that. But but it's easy to come back and give praise as soon as the blessing shows up. But verse 11 says, This is the time to be careful. Wait a minute, this should be the time to celebrate. The long winter is over. The drought is over. The famine has ended. I finally got what I've been praying for. It should be time to celebrate. Moses says, no. Verse 11, watch yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself because you're going to have to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey His commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who has rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry he gave you water from the rock. Verse 16, he fed you with manna in the wilderness a food unknown to your ancestors he did this to humble you and test you for your own good. Verse 17, he did all this So you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Now understand this is about halfway through the wilderness journey. That means this is 20 or 25 years before the wilderness journey is over. That lasted 40 years. This is about 20 years into this. They're still 20 years away from entering the promised land, and Moses is warning them to be careful. So let me stop right here and ask a question. When should you be careful? Should you only be careful after you get caught? Should you only be careful uh, after they file for divorce? Should you start getting careful when the company announces there's going to be layoffs for the lowest performers, and all of a sudden you decide to show up on time and check your attitude? It's probably too late to be careful at that point. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, As a matter of fact, your instincts will automatically kick in. Once they tell you they're going down to the courthouse to file divorce papers, all of a sudden your instincts will be, oh, i got to straighten up now. No, you have to be careful before the blessing. Somebody say amen. You can't wait until crisis time For you to check yourself What Moses said Was when everything starts looking up When you have blessings Everywhere Don't forget God Don't forget When blessings are overtaking you It is not time to stop fasting It is not time to stop praying And for the love of all things holy It is not time to quit praying attending church and act like you have arrived because I promise you the same God that showed up and made a way is the same God can send a wall in your way that will make you back up and say where did my blessings go so 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 what we see for the next 150 years is a cycle of repentance and regret repentance and regret. I'm sorry God, God would bless them and then they would regress. I'm sorry God, God would bless them and then they would forget God. This goes on for hundred and fifty years. They run to God when they need God and they run away from Him when they're not desperate anymore. And Israel is not the only people I've seen do this. I've watched folk do this my entire ministry. They get desperate for God, they on the front row of the people. Now now, y'all on the front row think I'm picking on you, but y'all hear all the time. They get desperate for God because something bad happened at work. Something bad happened in the family. Something bad happened. Mama's sick. Mama died. We, we got all kinds of chaos in our life. They're on the front row. They're always in the altar. They got tears running down their face. They are seeking God. They're wanting to be in Bible study. They're joining all the small groups. They got all this passion for the Lord. They, they got that one song that moves them to tears. They got their hands up. But then when that thing starts getting smoothed out and they get what they came looking for, I can't find them no more. We know. not only are they not front and center, they ain't even in the building. They ain't got time for God. All of a sudden they got called back to work. All of a sudden they got other interest on Sunday. I want to warn somebody under the sound of my voice this morning that God is not to be played with. If He has given you breath in your lungs, you owe Him a praise. If He has given you a house to live in, you owe Him some joy. If He has blessed you today, you owe Him a Hallelujah. He is not one to be fooled with. He is in control of everything, not just the blessing in front of your face. And that's what we're going to look at this morning because what we're going to watch is 150 years of catching and backing up. Catching and backing up. So I want to give you three signs that you have forgot who's in control. Three signs that you are forgetting who's in control. Because we get... We get the smell in ourselves, as they say. When, when the blessings show up and we don't need God anymore, we start acting like we're the boss. So there's three, three warnings that I want to give you this morning before I let you go. Number one, when commitment is optional. When commitment is optional. Judges chapter 1 and verse 19 the Lord was with the people of Judah and they took possession of the hill country. But they failed to drive out the people living in the plains who had iron chariots. That's transition. Say that word, say transition. Uh huh. God blessed them, but they didn't obey Him. Because God says, I'm going to give you a land, but there's trespassers there you got some squatters over there they don't belong there it's not their property I gave the property to you huh I gave them kids to you I gave that marriage to you I gave that house to you I gave that career to you but there are trespassers that you better run out because if you leave them there because you're not committed enough, y'all not going to help me this morning see see, when you get to the point where you think commitment to God is an option like if you want to do it you do it and if you don't feel like doing it somebody else will do it God says I have put you in charge of getting giants out of your property and if you ain't going To fight for this marriage, how you think God's going to? I remember one time I had a back when I used to do marriage counseling. I was I was struggling with this couple that I finally got to the point where I brought them in and I said, "I, "I I'm not gonna we're not gonna meet tonight because I only have one thing to say to you. I want you to go home and figure out if you want this or not because I'm sick of fighting for this marriage harder than you two are." I finally realized that I was the only one in this relationship that was trying to make it work and so I said you two need to go home and figure out if you because I'm wasting my time at this point because you ain't fighting for it I am and I can't fix it and we keep going to God and asking God to smooth out things and God says wait a minute wait a minute wait 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 a minute I already gave you dominion I've already given you the promise I've already spoken over your life what have you done with what I gave you. When commitment is optional. Number two, when you think sin is controllable. Judges chapter 1 verse 28, when the Israelites grew stronger, they forced the Canaanites to live as slaves, but they never did drive them completely out of the land. You know something I never saw until I until I put this sermon together, you know how many times I've pre- I preach. I don't know how many times I preached that scripture in my ministry and read that scripture in my ministry. But you know one thing I never saw until this time: Israel, who used to be slaves, made the Canaanites their slaves. There's a saying we use all the time: "Hurt people, hurt people." There, there's a saying that we that we uh, put into counseling sometimes that you become what you hate when somebody talks about you and spreads rumors through the church about you watch yourself because what they do to you you'll have a temptation to do to somebody else you become what you hate and, and that's what's happening in the nation today, and I ain't got time to get into that. But 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 both sides are hating each other, but they both, if if you're like me, where, where you kind of straddle the fence, you're like, I'm not over there, and I'm not over there because I'm with the man in the middle, the, the, the middle cross. And I, I, my eyes are fixed on him and not on this. And, and I, where I can see both sides, because if you're on this side, you're blind to this side. And if you're on this side, you're blind to this side. But if you're like me and you're somewhere in the middle, I can see both sides. And I look at both sides and say, y'all ain't a whole lot of difference. You hating and they hating, and you spewing venom and you, they're spewing venom, and both sides hate one another. And that's what that's what Israel Israel who was slaves, less than forty years later, are trying to make other folk their slaves. And here's what God said to them: Drive out the sin. But they wanted to control it. I got one thing to tell you this morning. If you think you got temptation under control, you're soon going to discover that it is controlling you, not the other way around. The the third thing is when truth isn't important. When truth isn't important. Judges 21 and 25 is the saddest verse in the Bible. In those days, Israel had no king. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. In other words, there was no standard. There was no truth. Whatever felt good, they did it. Whatever seemed right to them, they did it they became controlled by their emotions instead of by truth can I tell you that the Bible says there is a way that seemeth right to a man but the end therefore is death when you feel like what you feel is more important than what thus saith the Lord you are in trouble Let me explain it to you like this. The human heart is built to look for things other than God. That's what Jeremiah meant when he says the heart is despitefully wicked. The human heart, you're born into a world of iniquity. You're born into a world of sin, and you have a lust for sin. See, there aren't enough good sermons in the world to keep your heart satisfied on anything uh, that is good and godly because your heart constantly has to be reshaped. Your heart has to be reminded who's in charge. Your heart has to constantly be regenerated and rejuvenated by the washing of the Spirit and the Word because your heart is always wanting something else now it took me a while to figure this out and it took me even longer to admit it because I came up the old way I came up in the old Pentecostal church where they made it seem like saints of God don't never have no problems like we're all perfect and saved people don't make any kind of errors in judgment but what the Bible teaches and and what I have discovered in my own life is that when the Bible says that the heart is deceitful and despitefully wicked that Jeremiah knew what he was talking about and since we can't ever be totally removed from a desire to drift away from God we should at least be on the lookout for some signs that we're heading the right direction amen so if we begin to see areas in our life where we used to be committed and now we're not we need to start paying attention somebody say amen If you know there are things in your life that you used to say, I wouldn't do that or I won't do that or I'll stay away from that, but now you find yourself compromising, you need to pay attention if there was a time that you stood flat-footed unashamed and said no God says that's a sin so it's a sin but now because it showed up in your family or it showed up at the workplace or God forbid it showed up in your life and now you're starting to twist the word because I can't say that that is a sin my brother is like surely God loves my baby girl surely God loves my children and now you're willing to compromise the truth because. I don't love her anymore she don't treat me right anymore he is not the man I married God don't want me unhappy whoever told you God is concerned about your happiness what God is concerned about is your righteousness so when we when we used to stand on truth but now life has kicked us around and situations have changed and now we're willing to say well maybe Maybe because we're following emotions instead of truthfulness. Pay attention. Pay attention because the wrong person's in charge. Look at your neighbor and ask them, who's in charge around here anyway? Yeah, be a Karen for just a second. Everybody turn into a Karen for just a second and ask to speak to the manager. I want to know who's in charge around here. Because when you first devoted yourself to God, you surrendered. You gave him everything. But then as life became more difficult and challenges started surrounding you, you seem to forget sometimes who really is in charge. And listen, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you because this, this problem goes all the way back to the garden. We've all been there. Why do you think Israel, in the presence of God's Spirit, built a golden calf because they wanted a God they could control they wanted a God they could see and touch and feel and the one up there on the mountain was mysterious and powerful and loud and intimidating and bossy they wanted a God that they could control and they could tell when to come and go and turn around and hide your eyes so we can have ourselves a little dance Not in the spirit, but in the nude. (laughs) Y'all not going to help me. I, I, I lost my whole amen committee right there. So for 500 years, people are drifting away from God. Let me give it to you like this. You are driving your car, and you're coming up to an intersection where a traffic light is. And all of a sudden, the light turns yellow. Okay, there's three different drivers at every yellow light. There's three different ones. Some of you slow down from a block away. If you see the yellow light and you are still half a mile away, you start riding on that brake. You will stop before the intersection Then there's some of you that have gotten a few tickets Like the preacher And your instinct is to go But your wallet says stop Y'all not going to help me, I'm the only one Like your instinct is the same instinct that got you the ticket in the first place And so you're, should I or shouldn't I? go or slow down I will irritate you something off because I got my foot off the brake, on the brake, on the brake I will, because my instinct is to go but my wallet says slow and then there's the third individual who sees that red light like a white flag at a NASCAR race it's a challenge we're back to white flag racing baby, go Gun it. Be doing 25 miles an hour. See a yellow light. Everybody in the car. Whiplash. (laughs) Don't drive fast no other time. But that that yellow light is a challenge. And the funny thing is, these people marry each other. So the one that stops a block away marries the gunnet. And depending on which one of you is driving, the other one is losing their mind. Because the one that wants to go, if they're in the passenger seat, you can hear them stomping the gas pedal on the other side. If they're the one driving... And the one that takes it nice and slow, is Pastor said, Se- they are praying in tongues. They are doing the rosary, and they're not even Catholic. You hear them over there hiding their head going, Oh, please, Lord Jesus, he knoweth not what he doth. Forgive him of his stupidity. So these are the different individuals that are on the road all at the same time. Uh-huh. So as we get into the book of Judges, we encounter these same kind of people trying to follow Jesus or trying to follow the Lord everybody has got their own opinion about how fast or how slow we're supposed to take this situation but what everybody seems to be forgetting is this what brought us all to this place is that yellow light that yellow light brings something different out of you than it does me and what I want to try to show you this morning is God we're going through 500 years of Israel's history here where we're about to enter the time of the prophets, the next sermon is going to be on the season of the prophets. And the reason God sent the prophets, they were His spiritual yellow lights. They were the ones that were standing up in wilderness situations and proclaiming, "You people have went too far." You remember when you had kids at home? Some of you, some of you still have kids at home. Some of you are just going second round. <laughs> like it's so good the first time, we'll just do it again. Remember I mean, we had kids at home? So Alyssa and Jerry kind of grew up together. And, and when we had Alyssa, we were very protective because that first kid, you know, you're, you think they're fragile. By the time you get two or three down the line, you realize you could like punt them down a hill. They'll come right back. Like, they, they, they flip their tricycle nine times, get up, and as long as you don't make no big deal out of it, they're bleeding off of it, And don't get right back on that tricycle if you don't make a big deal out of it. So Alyssa and Jared, they were going up together. We was protective over Alyssa. By the time we got Jared, we realized, you can't hurt these things. <laughs> and we would hear Alyssa and Jared upstairs. Thump. Thump, 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 thump. Pow, bang, ah, stop it. You hurt me. And if people were over, they'd be like, at first they would just sit there and be polite. Eventually, they, you'd see them like edging over to the edge of the steps. And pretty soon they'd be like, Are, are they okay? Because they're trying to be diplomatic. You know, poor, poor Sister Alicia, she'd come over to the house sometimes and she'd be are, are they okay? Are they fine? We made them two, we'll make another one just like them if something happens. But what used to get Alyssa in trouble was this. Alyssa would try to tell Jared what to do. She would always be trying to tell Jared what to do and I would fuss and Alyssa and she'd be like, well, he's not doing it. Alyssa, would you please let me be the parent in this relationship? Do you ever think God looks down from heaven? Y'all not, y'all not, Yeah. Did I go too far? Did I hurt your feelings this morning? You ever think God just looks down sometimes at the Baptists and the Pentecostals? Do you ever think he looks down at the Republicans and the Democrats that go to church together? Do you ever think he looks down at the blacks and the whites and the browns and the yellows? Do you ever think he looks down at the men and the women? Do you ever think he looks down at the ones that are uh, 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 pre-trib and those that are post-trib and just says, will you just let me be the parent? Will you just play nice together and love each other? And just let me be. You ever think he just because because I'll tell you what, the prophets where we were getting ready to go into, they were the yellow lights, telling people, hey, God's done playing with you. When I walked into that room, listen, I would stay downstairs for a long time until I heard Jared crying. And then you would be amazed how quiet them two could get when they hear dad's feet coming up the steps. They would be knocking pictures off the walls. They would have balls bouncing down the staircase. They would be swinging from the ceiling fan. And immediately when they hear on the steps, it's quiet as a church mouse. One's under the bed. The other one's in the closet. You can't find either one of them. And they're both sitting there like they're both been angels all day long. I didn't do it, one of them would say as you walk into the room. I didn't do it and the reason was I've had enough God is standing here in front of God's people still to this day saying I have had enough I let you play. I let you get away with too much. I've let you try to grow up. I've let you try to mature. I didn't try to step in and make all your decisions. But could you just one time do what I tell you to do and live how I tell you to? But our problem is we don't think truth is important when our emotions start ruling us. Most of us have a tainted view of what love really is. And here's why. You only know the love that you've received or the love that you've been able to give. I don't have time to preach this this morning, but most of the love that you have gave has been in proportion to the love that you received. If you received little, you've been able to give little. If you received much, you've been able to give much. But God's not like that. See, there are people in your life that when you turn them off, they leave you. They abandoned you. They neglect you. But can I tell somebody this morning, God loves you too much to leave you alone? He has warned you. He has tried to get your attention. He has punished you. There's been times he's come into your spiritual closet and said, Put your nose in the corner. I'm tired of telling you. You come out when I tell you to come out. And he's given you the yellow lights of warning. He's been trying to stop you from going over here and doing that and getting hooked up with them again. But God loves you too much to leave you alone. He won't leave you to your own devices because even though you have failed him, even though you have messed up, if you would just take a second to turn around, you'll find out the Holy Spirit has been right behind you to hold I could run right there When we ignore the warnings Even blessings can make us slaves You can have too much of a good thing I've been praying for a better job Yeah, but when you got that job It caused you to work on Sundays And now you dropped out of church Oh, it's quiet in this mortuary I was praying God would send me somebody. Yeah, but he didn't tell you to hook up with somebody where you're not equally yoked. And now they've took you away from where you're supposed to be. Okay? So there's four ways that God will warn you. Four ways that he is your traffic signal. You ready for this? I'm going to give them to you real fast. Number one, people. People. People are valuable. I know that hurts some of y'all because y'all don't like people. But you need people. People are valuable to you. People people have to be given permission to speak into your life. Not every people. Not all peoples. But you need some wise people who have permission to speak into your life. And these people don't need to be your cheerleaders. Listen, your mama will cheerlead for you because her baby don't do no wrong. If you if you need somebody to cheerlead for you, just call your mom. She will rah, rah, sis, boom, ba, But you need some people because you do need some cheerleaders in your life. You need some folks that will tell you uh, you can do it. But you also need some people that will see what you are going through and check you and put up a big sign and say, wait a minute, this don't sound like you. You're not acting right. There's something about this that don't feel right to me. Are you sure about dating him? I saw what you put on Facebook. That doesn't sound like a Christian post to me. Are you doing all right because I haven't seen you in the altar." A few months, are you doing okay? Because we had prayer meeting, you started skipping. Are you doing okay? I know you said that you was uh, going to start that new job, but money ain't everything, honey. Yeah. See, so you need some people in your life that can check you. Yes, you need some people that will, that will encourage you and, and help you, but you also need some people that'll check you. Because if anybody in your life tells you the same thing everybody else in your life tells you you probably don't have enough people challenging you. Because you need that one person. You need that handful of people that don't say what everybody else says. They don't parrot and echo what everybody else says. They challenge you to be better. Number two, prodding. Well, when Grandpa would get the prod out, we had a mule. That was the hard-headedest animal I've ever met in my life. And would obey nobody except my grandpa my grandpa was about this tall coal miner dropped out of, dropped out of school in the fourth grade he was about that big and from the time I was an infant he never had no hair he was the bald headedest of this man I remember my life because I don't think he ever had hair I think he was born bald and just stayed that way little bitty man wore big old wire rim glasses you remember the big wire rim glass gentle as a lamb and that mean, hard-headed mule that wouldn't mind nobody, I would be out there for an hour hanging on this, on this rain, trying to pull that rascal. My brother would be behind him, trying to push him out of the stall. I mean, just absolutely. We're sweating. We're grunting. We're kicking this thing. Hey, don't call Pete on me. Statute of limitations done ran out. I mean, we would be beating up with boards, been trying to get this hard-headed animal out of the stall. My little grandpa would step into the stall. That mule would just come strolling out. I mean, we have done everything we could think of. We'd punish them. We'd scream at them. We would pull them, and nothing worked. Grandpa walked in the stall. You know why? Because grandpa had a prod about that long that had a sharp point on the end of it. And over the years, anytime that mule stopped, When they were out in the field and Grandpa didn't want them to stop, Grandpa didn't fuss. He didn't kick it. He didn't call for reinforcements. He didn't even come in front of it and pull it like I was doing. He would just take that prod from back there behind that plow and go, poke. That mule soon realized, if I keep my feet moving, I don't get my tail stuck. And Grandpa would walk in and he associated Grandpa with that prodding. Can I tell you that God uses His Holy Spirit to do the same thing in your life? There are times that you have spiritually gotten stuck and the Holy Spirit comes behind you with a prod and says, this is not where I put you here. I have have decided that I will not abandon you beneath your destiny. I put too much into you. I have expected too much out of your life. I've got way too much investment to let you die here in this wilderness. It is time for you to get up and move. You need to get to that altar. You need to lift them hands. Have you ever got to the point where the Holy Spirit just overwhelmed you and you didn't know why and you were going through that season where you turned up the music a little bit louder and the tears flowed just a little bit does anybody know what I'm talking about like you go through this long season where God seems like he's far away but then there's a season where it feels like he's laying in bed beside of you that is the Holy Spirit he's prodding you saying I'm right here I need you to recognize because you're not put right here to die I've got something for you and it's time for you so he prods you, prod you with the Holy Spirit and if that doesn't work, the next teacher that he sends are problems. Well, we don't like this one because sometimes your trouble is not the devil. Sometimes your trouble is present because you didn't listen. Sometimes your present trouble is because of past action. You're having trouble at work because you can't get your anger in check. So God sends this teacher of problems so you will examine yourself because where he's taking you to he can't use you if you're going to be a fire plug. If you're going to to have that short fuse, he can't use you where he's trying to take you to. So he's trying to, at this level, get you to move up to somewhere where he can use you. Maybe your relationship problem Is present because you're in the wrong relationship. I ain't trying to hurt nobody's feelings, but if you are on your seventh job since January and your eighth boo, if your relationship on Facebook, if your status uh, relationship status on Facebook has changed eight times, you're not very good at that. Something's wrong, and you didn't find eight stinkers. You might have a problem present because you're doing the wrong things. You're not addressing the issues in your life. Jonah Jonah, was told by God to go to Nineveh. Jonah said, I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it. If I go down there and preach, I, got I admire Jonah's enthusiasm about how good of a preacher he is. <laughs> I wish I had the confidence that Jonah had. Because Jonah said, if I go down there and preach to them backslidden, stiff-necked Ninevites, they all going to get saved. I wish I had that kind of confidence. They're all going to get saved, and I don't want them saved because heaven won't be heaven if them Ninevites are there. I'm going to go to Tarsus which is the opposite direction God said you can do that but if you're going to go there you're gonna have to step over some stuff so he gets on a boat on the way to Tarsus and a storm blows up and everybody on the boat wonders why God's mad at them so they cast lots and they find out Jonah's the one Jonah's the reason the storm came so they throw Jonah overboard and God has a big old fish prepared swallows Jonah and from inside that fish Jonah repents now repent simply means to turn change direction so inside the fish Jonah changes his mind he has a religious experience he gets saved baptized in the Holy Ghost all right inside the fish he has a religious experience and he repents What happens if Jonah don't repent from inside that fish? I don't know. What I do know is this. God had him inside that fish, but Jonah still had to make the decision to repent. In other words, he'll put obstacles in your path. He'll put barricades in your way. He will make it difficult for you to enter into sin, but you still make the decision. And even after the fish spit Jonah back up on the shore, the Bible says he turned and went to Nineveh. But don't you know that had he wanted to, he could have still turned. God's not making him, because we have a thing called free will. And God's not making him go toward Nineveh. He still could have said, you know what, I'm free of that fish now. I'm going to go back to the horses and do what I wanted. to." That's what a lot of us do. That's what a lot of us do. Once we get what we ask for, we forget who's in charge. Once we get free from the bondage, once we get free from the fish, once we decide that we don't need God in this season, we go do what we wanted to do in the first place. And I do not have time to preach this morning how many people I've seen come up to the altar and accept Jesus, but only on Sundays. And wonder why so many problems follow them around. And they blame God for their problems. But the problem is we didn't submit everything to Him. We want fire insurance to keep us out of hell but we don't want Him to tell us what to do. And the last thing that I want to share with you this morning is the Word. He'll challenge you through the Word. You need to read it. You need to hear it. You need to receive it. It is there to teach you. I have to believe that somewhere in a crowd this size some of you know what it's like to have God send warning signals. Some of you know what it's like in those seasons where God's been trying to warn you. Warn me of what, Pastor? I, I, I don't know. That's between you and Him. But I'm going to get out of your way with this thought. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 28 Remember he said that when you get over there, don't forget about me? When you you finally get what you've been asking me for, when when I've blessed you, don't forget about me. God God is so amazing in the fact that he gives us opportunities to do right even when he knows we won't. See, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows your mess-ups before you make them. And he still tells you how great you are. How, he still tells you how you can overcome, even though he knows you're not going to do it. So he tells him, he says, When you get into this land, don't forget me. And then he tells him in verse 28, You're going to forget me. Because there in a foreign land, you will worship idols made from wood and stone. Gods that neither see nor hear nor eat, nor smell. He, he said, I've warned you. I gave you the yellow light. I, I've sent my word. I've told you how you're supposed to respond to this word. But you will do exactly what I've told you not to do. You will, you will serve other gods. You, you will worship gods who can't help you. You will worship that job because you think the paycheck's what you need. Oh, it got quiet in this mortuary. You will worship him because he's got a six-pack. You will worship her because she got them baby blues. She is F-I-N-E fine. You will worship that house because it's your dream home. You will worship that attitude because you shut everybody out and you say, I'll never let anybody take advantage of me again because they hurt me and they wounded me and they damaged me. And you will worship your own emotional states. You will uh, worship your own perplexities and proclivities and your desires that you have. You will worship them. But then God says, and this is the message I'm going to leave you with, but it ain't over. Because in verse 29, he says, but from there, from there, from the place where you made your biggest mistake, from there, from the place where you got hurt and wounded, from, from there, from there, you will search again for the Lord your God. And if you search for him with all your heart, you will from from there, from the divorce. He said, from there. From the place where they hurt you. From the place where you backslid. From the place where you did everything wrong and broke every one of the warnings that God sent your way. From there, the devil will lose you. Because you will seek the Lord. So I'm saying over somebody's life here this morning, it ain't over yet. Because from right where you are, you're going to seek the Lord. From your hurt's place, from your damaged position, from everywhere that the devil has wounded you and neglected you and made you feel like you were lost and undone, you have slid back into your addiction, but from there you will seek the Lord. You got divorced, but from there you will seek the Lord. You lost the kids, but from there you will seek the Lord. They come and took the house and... and Put the car on a, a flatbed And now you are financially busted For the next seven years But from there you will seek the Lord. I'm prophesying over somebody's life right now Because some of you have felt like you have went too far Let me just take it one step further You got into a illicit relationship And you broke all of God's laws for your life and, and you fell into the bed When you shouldn't have fell into the bed But from there you will seek the Lord Some of you have went back out And got into addictions and habits And, you, and you're and you ashamed of yourself Because the porn addiction or the drug addiction or the alcohol addiction but from there you will say I'm prophesying over there, I'm not just reading scripture somebody needs to hear it in this room this morning, that from right where you are, you will seek the Lord and will find him because he is merciful, his grace is extending the world like the waters cover the sea and he wants you to know how big he loves you and how much he has planned for you and from there From there, you will seek the Lord. In other words, you don't have to move to find God. You don't have to change a thing to find the Lord. Now, once you get hold of Him, He's going to pull you out of that mess. But from the mess, from there, you will seek the Lord and will find Him. And I didn't plan on this, but something in my spirit tells me. There's folks under the sound of my voice that your, your problem and holdback has always been, you feel like you can't find God until you get out of where you're at. But He sent me here this morning, 57 minutes later after I started preaching to tell you, You have to change your location to find the Lord because he is where you are and from there you will seek him. You let him change your location. You seek him where you are. Today is the day of salvation. You seek him where you are. Pastor, I've got these tendencies and I don't don't think God's happy with them. I don't think God's happy with them either. But you seek him from where you are. See, the church has gotten so messed up over the years. we made folks think that the only way that they can come to the Lord is they got to be clean first. got to be right first. That is backwards and it is foolishness because we can't even hope to get right until we get the Lord. So for a generation, we've had people walking into churches feeling like they wasn't good enough to find the Lord because I have homosexual tendencies, or I've got these proclivities toward addiction, or I've got a porn problem, or I've got an anger issue, or I've got got these feelings where I don't love my wife, or I don't love my husband, and we make them feel like they can't even approach the altar because God's so holy, and yes, God is holy, but from where you are, you need to seek Him, and His holiness will drag you up out of the mess you're in. We've done it, church. We have managed to raise a hopeless generation of seekers who feel like they can't find God because they're not good enough to get Him. What the Word says is, you'll find Him where you are. With all your faults, as flawed and messed up and jacked up as you are, you will seek Him where you are. And from there you find it, Father, I want to thank you for every warning sign that you send our way. Whether it's from people or from your word or from your Holy Spirit's prodding. Or whether it's problems that you have allowed to come into our lives to tempt us to righteousness, God. I want to thank you and I want to pray today like David. That if there be any wicked way in me, God, that you uncover it. And that you help me to deal with it. But God, I want to speak over every person's life in this building and those that are watching online that they will seek you from where they are. They're not going to wait until they are better. They're not going to wait until they've cleaned up or gotten rid of an addiction. Or gotten out of a lifestyle, God, that they're going to seek you from where they are and they'll find that you love them, that you care about them, you've been concerned about them, and the whole time you have been calling them from where they are. If we're inside of a fish today, we'll find you. If we're on the shore today having to make our own decisions, we will find you. If we're marching around Jericho's wall, if we're standing outside the tomb of Lazarus, if we're at the foot of the cross wondering how our Savior has died, we will find you from where we are. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to mend hearts in this building today. That every person under the sound of my voice realizes how special they are how loved they are, and how it's not too late. And if there's any person in this room or any person online watching that needs to commit their life to Jesus Christ, I want them to say so right now. If they're here in the present, I invite them to come forward so we can pray with them. If they're online, I invite them to type into the feed. I need to commit my life to the Lord. And God, I'm asking your Holy Spirit to do this work in their lives right here, right now. So that not only the angels will rejoice in heaven, but we will rejoice here on earth. For every person that answers this call. In Jesus' name. If you're here this morning. And you need to commit your life to Jesus Christ. And listen, you may say, I've done that when I was seven years old. No, I'm talking about today. Today is the day of salvation. If you've been walking through a season where God is far away from you, He doesn't have to be. You don't have to leave here like you came in Jesus' name. So I'm not going to drag this out. I'm not going to berate you. But I know in a room this size, there's got to be somebody that ain't exactly where they want to be or should be. So, I'm going to invite you to walk to the front of this church, and our prayer team is going to pray with you, and your life is going to change. It's not going to change tomorrow. It's not going to change next Sunday. It's going to change today because God's going to interrupt all the devices of hell and do a work in your life. So, if you're here under the sound of my voice, and I'm not going to drag this out, and you need to commit yourself to Christ, I mean, I want to throw my whole self. I've been in this fish long enough, I've been walking in this way long enough. I want you to come up to this altar. Brother Mark, Sister Nancy, would you guys please come and help me? Staff members, we got people coming. I got some Stephen ministers and staff ministers that mine coming up and laying hands on some of these that are coming. We got committed people coming up here saying, I need Jesus. I need to commit myself to him over again. Hey! Heaven, celebrating. I think we should do the same thing. Church, heaven is celebrating. I think we ought to do the same thing. Woo! We need to do the same thing. out of the dark. I cannot whisper away what